listeners. I'm Joni B. Cole, host of Author Can I Ask You? In each short conversation, I ask a writer a non-writing related question that lets you and me get to know them just a little bit better as a person. I'm an author myself, so I'm always looking for an excuse to ask the odd questions. Let's get started and meet today's guest. Today, I welcome Jervie Turvalon, author of five books, including the best-selling Dead Above Ground and his most recent novel, Serving Monster. Jervie is also an award-winning poet, screenwriter, playwright, community and literary activist. And on top of all that, Jervie serves on the faculty of the College of Creative Studies at UC Santa Barbara. Hey, Jervie, welcome to the show. Hey, Joni, thanks for having me. Oh, my pleasure. Jervie, my first question has to do with your hometown. I know that you were born in New Orleans, but then when you were a little kid, you moved to Los Angeles. But your first novels are set in your hometown. And now I know you're working on a couple new projects that are also set in New Orleans. So I wanted to ask, what's that creative pull that keeps bringing you back to your childhood landscape? Well, New Orleans is an explanation of who I am. Because you know, I'm uh, at times we're referred to as Creoles. I refer to myself as African American. Mm-hmm. My mom looked totally white. My two oldest brothers, one of my brothers, is also light skinned. Uh, so I moved to the Jefferson Park area of Los Angeles when I was a little boy with my parents, where a lot of New Orleans people lived. So the way I approached race in my writing is that I didn't know any white people outside of teachers. Um, there was one white girl who went to my high school, and my high school was. Very cool high school, Dorsey High School. And the one white girl was my high school girlfriend's best friend. So that's how culturally insulated it was. But years later, I came to understand how important it was that I had the opportunity to understand myself and American history, the racism, the horror, and the achievement of Black folks, because I ended up moving from New Orleans South to New Orleans North. Well, Jervy, you certainly do your hometown justice in your fiction in Dead Above Ground. I love this review from the Los Angeles Times. The city of New Orleans shimmers to life through the perfect pitch of the people who inhabit the tale. I want to switch gears now from novel writing to another talent of yours, screenwriting. Way back when you earned a Disney Screenwriters Fellowship. Can you talk about that experience, what it was like working in that world? I got a Disney screenwriting fellowship because Disney had the fewest writers of color of any other studio, which is to say probably none since none of them had very many. (laughs) So they went out looking for, you know, talented people to come in and uh, at Disney and move up the food chain or at least get established to some degree. So my time there was very enlightening. The guy from the studio that we work with was a pretty well-known, um, sexual harasser. I was told through the grapevine they could never take a meeting with a female writer without a female executive in a room. So this woman I was working on a project with, uh, we got through with the you know, conversation about it. As we were walking out, he leaned over and kissed her in the back of the neck. And I'm thinking, you're in the newspaper. Oh, oh my gosh. The Me Too movement didn't come soon enough. But it was just such a strange environment. The, the sense that you had no allies, that everybody was desperate to be involved in the film industry to the point where they literally made fools of themselves. Uh, and then another friend of mine told me about how he was so desperate to uh, get a meeting with a film executive over something he'd written 
that even though a sniper was blowing out the windows at the Universal Studios skyscraper, the windows start shattering and people are screaming and hiding. And when the firing stops, he walks over to the desk where the secretary is supposed to bring him into his appointment, is cowering for her life. And he said, hey, uh, my appointment said 3.30. <laughs> and the woman said, are you insane? Somebody's trying to kill us. So that's the kind of Hollywood, uh, you know, my experience. Gosh, you hear about writers desperate to succeed, but I'd say that story takes the cake. On a lighter note, Trivia, you once said something that I really loved. I wonder if you remember this. You said, I can't complain about a damn thing, even if a safe fell on my head and squashed me like a water bug. I wanted to ask you to explain, why do you feel that way? Like you've had such good fortune. Well, I never had a real job since I taught high school. <laughs> um, that was a real grind. It's the only time in my life I've actually stopped writing. And then I went back to try writing and my ex-wife, we're friends now. Um, I would be picking her from City Hall in downtown LA and I would go to this really fancy uh, mall and I would sit out there at this coffee shop drinking this nice, nice cappuccino and, uh, and try to write before I'd fall asleep because I literally would fall asleep writing in the hour I had before I had to pick her up and work. And then I looked up because something was going wrong. I knew something was staring at me. I looked up and there's a rat. And this is a really fancy place, three tiers up staring down at me. Ew. This is not a good sign. And then a rat leaped and it <laughs> fell right in front of my table and died. And then to my delight, the rat came back to life, shuddered, and it disappeared in the foliage. So that's basically the birth of my um, first novel. And um, eventually I ended up getting into the UT Irvine's MFA program. And I studied with Thomas Keneally, the guy who wrote Schindler's List. is one of the most important people in my life because he was such a generous person. Aww. Yeah. And Thomas Keneally, <laughs> one time in class, someone was attacking me for something. Oh, I, my first novel, uh, Understand This, is in various uh, points of view in the present tense. So someone in class criticized me for writing something. That, it segued into the past tense. And Keneally said, you know, it's just a convention. I wouldn't even pay any attention to it. <laughs> and he shut them all up. And I was like, oh, God. Well, that's positive feedback. Yeah, and that was my thesis that ended up getting published. So I guess to sum it up, the reason I have children, the reason I have a house, the reason I have a really cute husky I get to walk every you know, couple of hours is because of writing. The writing gods have been really kind to me. But I think what it is, is that good things sometimes come to writers. And sometimes that's the worst thing. When... Suddenly you get an accolade, you know, you get some accolades, suddenly you get a big paycheck and you want it to happen again and again, but it doesn't work like that. You know, essentially the reward is the work. You know, if you're sitting there at a cafe, as I'm going to be doing in about an hour, scribbling, drinking a little coffee, trying to write something that, you know, you, you feel is, in, you know, something decent. Um, that's the highest point of it. It's like you're trying to do the work and occasionally it works out. Let's talk a little bit more about your writing process in that uh, you once wrote, what motivates me to write is drudgery or the venal and vindictive. And I wondered if you could elaborate on that a little bit. I actually like the drudgery of writing. <laughs> I like the, you know, rewriting the paragraph and realize, oh God, what was I thinking? Uh, the vindictive thing is that if you right now, I have a friend, <laughs> friends that are writing for a show and it's based fairly close the world that I grew up in. And it's like my first novel it has some elements of that. And 
I grew up in this world. No one's asked me ever to write for it. Gosh, you'd think they'd at least ask you to be creative consultant. It's like, I'm not even sure I would want to sit in a room full of people, largely men, talking about this world that a lot of them actually have never had access to. Or if they did, it was pretty tangential. Um, I'm not sure if I actually would even enjoy it because I know I'd be there for the money. But it'd be nice to be asked. Yeah, it would be nice to be asked. <laughs> so, <laughs> so that's the yeah. vindictive aspect of it. I know that you are the artistic director and the founder too, right? Of Lit Fest Pasadena. Yeah, we're the second largest uh, literary festival in California now. And also you're touted as Southern California's most diverse literary festival. So <laughs> I wondered if you could, well, I read that somewhere. Can you tell me a little bit about your vision or the mission of Lit Fest Pasadena? You want to know the gory details? Yes, I want to know the gory details. Okay, so... The guy who runs the New York Times now, Dean Bouquet, mm-hmm. he ran the LA Times at that time when my book came out. And I met him at a party. And, you know, people from New Orleans, we are confused by our own ethnicity sometimes. When I look <laughs> at, I looked at this guy, I thought he might be African-American, then I thought he might be Algerian, I thought he could be French. So this is weird ambiguity. And he looked at me and said, hey, Jervy, uh, I read your book. I'm Dean Vaquet. And I was like, oh, really? As soon as he said he read the book, I knew he was from New Orleans because, you know, why would he have read the book? That's a pretty low bar, Jervy. I'm sure you had readers outside of New Orleans. <laughs> yeah. Well, you, the ego is like, you got to, it's got to be very plastic. You need it when you need it. And then sometimes you should discard it. So anyway, uh, I had him over for gumbo. He and his wife, you know, as another fellow writer in Los Angeles. And so I had this book come out from a major publishing house and I didn't get invited to LA Times Book Festival. You didn't get invited after you ate your gumbo? Yeah. And Dean told me that his uncle used to date my Aunt Barbara, who was a lovely, lovely woman. <laughs> and so it was like, we're like practically family. And I still didn't get invited to the LA Times Book Festival. So I was thinking, we need to have our own book festival. So that's how I got started. Well, that's a great example. If you don't get invited to join the club, then you just start your own club or your own literary festival anyway. Well, Jeremy, I have one last question for you. Do you have another few moments? Yeah, absolutely. As long as you want to talk. Thanks, Jeremy. So if you wrote a six-word memoir, what would it be? Well, I'm actually writing a memoir. That's what I'm going to do when I leave here. And I'm writing a memoir of vignettes. I don't want to have a lot of connective tissue. I just want these memories. And the title of it is A Trick You Can Only Do Once. And... (laughs) I'm not sure if you were addicted to Warner Brother cartoons and Daffy Duck and uh, Bugs Bunny had a feud to see who'd do the most outrageous trick. So finally, <laughs> Daffy Duck decided that you know he couldn't win unless he did something that would just blow away Bugs Bunny. So he got all this dynamite and everything and rockets, and he stood on top and lit it, and he blew himself up. And all that was left was his angel form as it was ascending to heaven. And Clark said, that's an amazing trick, man. And Daffy Duck said, but it's a trick you only could do once. So anyway, that really amuses me, that whole idea. So yeah, I think that's what it would be. The writing life is a trick you only can do once. (laughs) I like that. A six-word memoir inspired by Daffy Duck. Well, gosh, Jervie, it's so much fun to talk to you. You have so many stories and you're renowned as a storyteller as well as a novelist and dramatist and so many other gifts. So I want to thank you sincerely for being a guest on my show. It's been so much fun to talk with you. It's been an honor and it was really great to talk to you too. It's been much fun. 
Listeners, if you haven't read Jervie Turbillon's work, now is the perfect time to pick up copies of his books. Also, be sure to check out Lit Fest Pasadena, which is happening online and starts this weekend, May 15th. So that's it for this episode of Author, Can I Ask You? Thanks, everybody, for listening. And if you like what you heard, please spread the word and visit me on my website, JoniBCole.com. In the meantime, take care, act civil, and don't be afraid to ask the odd questions.